Staying in here with me, it's Micah chapter 7, verse 9. Micah chapter 7, verse 9. Everybody ought to be shouting by now. Micah chapter 7, verse 9. The old prophet Micah, way back in the Old Testament, just one of all the prophets who would quote the truth, declare the truth, declare the righteousness of God. That's all God has really ever been declaring. That's all he's ever declared. All his words are in righteousness, so every word he's declared through the prophets uh, is righteousness. That's all he's declared. That's all he's declared. By now, after 2,000 years, the church ought to be shouting with great excitement and joy just to hear the word righteousness. The Bible says that if you love righteousness, the oil of gladness will be poured upon you. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Amen. If you seek righteousness before all things, then God will be found adding all things that you need to your life. Everything is within the perimeters of God's righteousness that you're looking for. Nothing is outside of that perimeter. Righteousness is one of the four things that Jesus became to us mentioned in 1 Corinthians 1.30. He is my righteousness. I have none. It's non-existent outside of him, but it's only imparted to me through what he did at Calvary. It's only experienced by me now, moment by moment, as I maintain my faith there in his death. Amen. If I moved away from a focus on that object, then I'm the path that I'm on begins to dim down instead of brighten up. The promise is in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just, the righteous, shall shine more unto that perfect day. Can I ask you tonight, is that path shining more for you? Is that path shining more for you? Amen. Micah chapter 7 verse 9, listen to the message of the cross. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause. Where did he plead my cause? And execute judgment for me. Where did he execute judgment for me? On his son on the tree. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. When God brings you to the light, you are beholding his righteousness. When you begin to understand these truths that are written here for us to understand, then you'll begin to walk in a greater light than you ever have. You do need to study to show yourself approved. You, you do need to study to find the experience of faith and grace because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this prophet says he's going to have to bear the indignation of the Lord because he sinned against the Lord until the Lord pleads his cause, until the Lord executes judgment for him. And when he brings him to the light, he'll behold his righteousness. See, righteousness 
It's what we begin to see when God is waking us up from a slumber. There's never been a, an awakening throughout the history of the church, there, even, the, even the history of the old church and the old covenant. There's never been an awakening from a sleeping place, a, a place I, a sleeping is really non-serving God. Sleeping, asleep. We can go to sleep. I've been there. But the, every time there's been a, a great awakening, it's been unto righteousness. Because if I'm sleeping, it's because I'm not serving God. And to awaken and to begin to serve God again, I don't do that by just starting to do things. I do that by being brought back to the place I was freed from sin and made one of the things that I am in Christ, that's a servant of righteousness. I began serving righteousness the moment I was saved. I didn't know it. I was going to have to study to find that out one day. And then I would go to sleep one day because I didn't study and I didn't know. Or when I did study, I was studying in the wrong context of studying. And I was asleep for years. And every awakening, this message of the cross that has waken up a portion of the church who's heard it, received it, grabbed a hold of it, taken it, and is running the race with it, they have been awakened unto the place where they began to serve God as servants of righteousness. Romans 6.16 says there's only two, two avenues of, of service in the whole world. We can either be serving sin, the sin nature, unto death. That means separation from God, fruitful, a lack of fruit bearing. You can't bear fruit. Or you can serve obedience that's unto righteousness. That's by keeping your faith in Christ and what he did by obedience to offer you his righteousness in death on the cross. There's only two options. And the moment we begin to put our faith in the words we speak or this program or this fad and, and, and we're told by somebody that if you'll just do this, God would begin. No, you can't do anything. Jesus said it was finished. Quoting the word is beautiful. I hope you're all doing it. I do it every day. But it doesn't bring victory. Victory ain't on your lips. Victory is in your heart, then it can be on your lips. It doesn't start on your, you, don't, you can't speak your way into victory. You can't do it. You can start speaking things and make you feel better. But that don't mean you're, going, you're not going to get victory by speaking yourself into victory. Jesus paid that price, finished that price, and your victory is in Christ. All of it. And so this prophet, he says that when the Lord brings him to the light, he's going to behold, he's going to behold his righteousness. Now this helps us understand a little bit about 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Well, the light our Savior is walking in is the light of his righteousness. Amen. So let me say it again before we dig in a little bit tonight. There's never been an awakening 
outside of coming back to the place where you begin to serve righteousness again, which is what you were made when you were born again, Romans 6, 17, and 18. You were, two things happened when you were saved. You were made free from sin, and you were made a servant of righteousness, and God cannot be served outside of that avenue. That's why while our faith was not in the cross, and yes, we still believed it happened. Yes, we still believe it saved us, but we were also now trusting in these things that were filtering into the church. And because we were trusting these things, we, we couldn't serve God through them. You can't serve God through them. Because you doing anything is not what saved you. You doing anything is not what brings righteousness. Only what Jesus did. So again, every time, even the early 1900s when the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the truth, that great truth was ushering, God was ushering that back into the church in the early 1900s. If they would have stayed focused on Calvary, then the devil wouldn't have been able to do all he did with that great truth. He's turned all that into many, many things that it's not. Amen. You want to see what Pentecost does? It stands up and preaches the cross. Read the book of Acts. And there's never been one single time that God's people have awakened out of their slumber to serve him again that their focus was not righteousness. Because you can't serve what you're not looking at. Now I have to say this tonight because the Lord ministered this to me today, that you do not have to be able to stand up here and theologically explain all this. You don't. But you do have to have your faith in Christ crucified. You have to have your faith in the gospel. You've heard my story many, many times. The simplicity of three lines. Do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe he's coming back for you? And if you do, why are you living like you're living? That's all it took to change my life. Because that's the gospel. It's not in its deep theological explanation. It's just the simplicity. And in a moment's time, I said to myself, I do believe it. And I went home and told Robin, I'm done with everything. And things begin to happen. Things begin to fall off of my life. A little bit here, a little bit there. Because the focus was what Jesus did for me at Calvary. I couldn't get up and do this 29 years ago, what I'm doing right now. I couldn't get up and do that. I couldn't have told you much of anything except God loves you, me, loves you, gave his son for us. And I, I'm believing that. That's where my faith was. And things began to happen. And then we got involved in so many things. And, and we, 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 all these things began to usher in. And we were being told all the other, taught all these other objects of faith. And I taught them too. And we just became a mess. Because where there's mixture, the power of God's not going to be there. Where there's a mixture, the power of God's not going to be there. It's not the cross and it's the cross. That's it. It's nothing else. So you, let me say it again. You don't have to, because some people, they look at us, and especially me, and they think, well, he thinks everybody got to say it just like him. You don't have to even know it like I tell it. But you do have to have your faith there. 
Andrew told me the other day, he said, Dad, I believe most Christians actually believe that God is going to do all that he does without their faith. He said, I believe they think that. A lot of what Christianity believes, it don't matter what they're doing, what their faith is in, it don't matter at all. God's going to do in them and through them what he... And that's just not true. There's too much written in the New Testament we'd have to rip out and get rid of if that were the case. So I want you to know, I don't think you have to be able to get up and tell it like someone who can. But you better know, I'm telling you tonight, your faith has to be in Christ and Him crucified. And I'm not being ugly like we're called around here sometimes. But if, if your faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ, you're struggling. But what, what, we're, what we were struggling with all those years was self. We were sick of self-ruling, kept getting us in trouble, kept causing all these issues, but we didn't know how to deal with it. And thank God he found us in a miserable place, desperate place, really and truly wanting to know why it wasn't working. God, I love you, and I know for sure, beyond even my love for you, I know you love me. But I was a mess. And he brought the truth of Calvary that would get me out of all that mess. Man, I go to bed at night now. I, I'm not in no mess. Even when I act like a mess sometimes, I know how to get out of it. Amen. Truth awakens. And when truth awakens, righteousness is seen. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. The message of the cross that's been being preached for many years now People have been those who believed it, accepted it, and continue in it have been awakened unto righteousness. Because unless you come back to a focus on Calvary, you're not serving God. You're not serving God. Except in, you, you, we think we are. Well, I'm doing all this, God. It don't matter what all we're doing. I, I don't have to be serving God up here in this pulpit. I'm serving God if I'm serving righteousness. And that's taught simply and very plainly in Romans chapter 6. I'm not serving God unless I'm serving righteousness. And I'm not serving righteousness unless my faith is in what it was that made me a servant of righteousness. That's that form of doctrine that freed me from sin. You sit there and you say, well, man, we already know this. 99.9% .9 of all Christians do not know this, and no, no one in this room, including me, knows it good enough. We say the cross and the scriptures can't be exhausted, but then we act like it can. It can't. You'll find scriptures every day just like the Lord showed me. I'll never take my eyes off you because I made you righteous in Jesus. Never turn my eyes from you. He's always looking upon us. He's trying us every moment. Hallelujah. 
truth awakens, righteousness is seen. Then righteousness is served. We couldn't explain it when we began to hear the message of the cross. We really couldn't explain what was happening except the cross became the answer. And then the Holy Spirit, when we admitted the cross, it was all about the cross, then the Holy Spirit began to teach us the word in the right context. Then the Holy Spirit began to guide us into all truth. His name is Jesus, hallelujah. And what makes him as our truth applicable is the blood he shed. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing. And I'll never forget standing in that old warehouse and admitting that this is it. This is it, this is it. And again, my whole life changed. But again, it was about the gospel. wasn't about anything else. It was the gospel. <laughs> Think about it. Righteousness. When righteousness, and I've already said this, but let me say it again. There's scriptures for every bit of this. Righteousness. When, when, when you are awakened by God, I'm not talking about you find, well, I, just, I, I got back in church, or I, I got back in the Word. I've told you before about myself, and if some of you may have the same testimony. God got me, I got saved at 11. Well, at 18, I left home, went in the military, and, and I don't think I ever went to church again, maybe once or twice in, in all them years, until uh, uh, I was 33. And that's when the Lord got me back in church. That's when, that's when that happened to me on the job, when I said, I do believe that. And that was enough to get me back in the church among church people. It was enough to put a hunger in my heart for the Word of God. But it would be 10 years later before I learned how the Holy Spirit works. I was still trying to do it on my own strength. I was still... Trying, trying, working, working, trying to figure it out. I was still taking scripture from here and over here and trying to put my own message together. And the climax, the common denominator was not Christ and him crucified. There can be no other climax or context, even if we're talking about love or, or mercy for six weeks. Uh, if redemption is not touching that, it won't do you a lick of good. It won't be applied to your life. I've been there. I thought everything was being applied. But when the Holy Spirit is applying something to your heart, that means he's got your feet in it. Hallelujah. It don't mean it ain't some mystical, magical, he just going to put a little bit of truth. No, he puts your feet in it. When he finds your heart believing what you have to believe to have your feet in it. And if your faith is not in the sacrifice, we're trying to put our feet in truth and it won't work because the footprints we've been left to follow is the way of his righteousness. Psalms 85, 13 says, Righteousness has gone before him and has set us in the way of his steps. That's why when you're walking with him, following him, you're in the footprints of the righteousness he's shown you because he's brought you to the light that he is to you. It's all about righteousness. Righteousness is the key that unlocks all the mysteries of the Bible when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. All of them, everything. 
It has charged my soul. And I thought it was only just a few years ago. But you get those memories that pop up on social media. Robin took a picture or something just yesterday and sent it to me and said, man, something about, look how long ago this was. You still preaching this. Huh? It was about oppression some years ago. About righteousness is God's only answer for our deliverance from oppression. And the experience from being oppressed is equivalent to the experience of serving righteousness. When God saved us from our sins, he made us servants of that which saved us from our sins. Mm. Think about it. To be awakened from slumber is to begin to see the light and to walk in the light. This is how you'll know when revival is truly revival and not just a word, not just a bunch of hype, not just a bunch of music because people will be talking about the sacrifice. They'll be talking about Christ crucified. They'll be boasting in the only thing God said he allows us to boast in because through that avenue we were made righteous and we can serve righteousness and have the fruit of righteousness and nowhere else can we. Nothing else can we. Hallelujah. So to be awakened from slumber is to begin to see the light and to walk in the light. And that's exactly what we begin to do when we begin to hear the message of the cross. The Lord brought us back to our first love. He, he showed us where he planted us in the death of Jesus. He showed us what his footprints looked like. He began to teach us how the Holy Spirit works and all the truths that we've learned in eight, for me, 18 or plus years. Amen. So when the church awakens, they awaken to the truth of Christ crucified as the Lord leads those who fear him back to the light. Because see, if I'm not walking in the light of his righteousness, then I'm walking in darkness. Jesus promised us in John chapter 8 verse 12 he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. But he also taught that to get this light of life from following me, you got to bear your cross. you got to deny yourself and take up your cross. He didn't say you got to do this, that, and the other. He said you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Then darkness will no longer be what you're walking in, but the light of life the light of his life. Hallelujah. So every revival and every, every, this is not, this isn't, there, there's no, there's no discussion about this. This is just the way it is. Every revival, think about it. What does revival mean? What does to be revived mean? It means to live again. The church in Sardis were told they were dead. I don't know what Laodicea was doing. They must have been sleeping because they didn't even know who was knocking on the door. Every revival, every awakening always results in judgment returning to righteousness. When God awakens you, your judgment has returned to righteousness. 
And only as God's people return to righteousness can they be found walking with an upright heart before him. Only then. I'm going to read it to you. Psalms 94, 15. Psalms 94, 15. The church is greatly seduced in this hour. People say, well, I don't have to know all that, preacher. You need to. You need to. Amen. You need to know these things. Psalms 94, 15, But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright... I mean, outside of this, outside, it's all the upright in heart shall follow it. When judgment returns unto righteousness... Remember, Jesus taught us in John 7, 24, you are to judge, but your judgment is to be righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. Righteousness only flows out of our faith in Jesus. Remember, we have nothing that he did not give us through his death. Jesus, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, it says, when, when he was reviled, he reviled not back. When he was threatened, he didn't threaten back. But yet he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. You see, God's righteous judgment was to take his son to the cross. Because he would have to suffer and die for you and me so that that righteousness could be imputed unto us through our faith in what he did for us on the tree. The righteousness of God took Jesus to the cross because at the cross is the only place God can offer it to anybody. The righteousness of God took Jesus to Calvary. The righteousness of God put him to death. Whose will was it for him to come and die? God's will. It pleased God to bruise him and to wound him for our sins and our iniquities. The righteous judgment of God took Jesus to the cross so that it could be offered to us through his death. We didn't deserve to be righteous. I didn't deserve to be righteous. I didn't deserve to be anything in the sight of God but dead and eternally condemned. But he offered me, because he loves me, the righteousness of his son. The one who didn't deserve to die died for us. We all deserve to die. The righteousness of God took Jesus. The righteousness of God was not just Jesus doing everything that was right. It was that. But the righteousness of God took Jesus to the cross. And it couldn't be offered to us till he died. And then the door was open. And then the Bible declares, He that knew no sin became our sin-bearing offering that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when we, God found me in an old broken down warehouse, uh, believing in this, believing in that, well, I ain't as crazy as them folks. Uh, they're bad messed up. And the Lord said, you're as messed up as they are. And then he brought me the truth of Calvary. What was he doing? He was trying to get me to return to the place where righteousness again would be my judgment. 
He was trying to get me to return to where my judgment would be righteous judgment because I didn't have an upright heart before him even though I loved him. See, you loving God don't mean you got an upright heart before him. Declaring to God, oh, how much you love him, how much you want him to do, that, that don't mean that's flowing out of an upright heart. Let me read this scripture. Don't you just love the Bible? It eliminates us from make-believe and pretend and feeling and emotions. It tells us how the cow eats the grass, if you will. Psalm 94, 15, but judgment shall return unto the righteous. And all the upright in heart shall follow it. Those who've been awakened by it. If you're still awake from what God offered you whenever it was years ago, days ago, concerning the message of the cross, if that's still where you're fighting to keep your faith and you're not listening to anybody talking about anything that's not pointing you there, and let me say this tonight, don't think you can just sit and listen and sit and listen and not hear about the truth of Calvary and stay where you are. You won't do it. You don't have that kind of power. You must choose to fight to keep your faith in the sacrifice and you must choose not to just listen to anything because everything we hear that's not pointing to Calvary, listen to me carefully, is pointing you away from it. Don't care how sweet, nice, lovable, however you want to see it painted up. Everything that's ministered that's not pointing to Calvary is pointing you away from it. Because there ain't but one, two things I can be doing. I can be pointing you to Calvary, pointing away, nothing in the middle, nothing else happening. Amen. When judgment returns unto righteousness, the upright in heart follow it. What's the only thing that God sees that makes an upright heart? And I'm talking about inexperience. I'm not talking about position tonight. We all have an upright heart in Christ at the right hand of God. We're complete there, everything. I'm talking about experience. What is it that God sees that he sees an upright heart in a man or a woman? When their judgment has been returned to righteousness. That means your faith is in the one place righteousness can only flow from. Again, Jesus had to taste death so that that righteousness could come to me. I bring it up all the time. Peter in Antioch, he was righteous. He was as righteous as he was ever going to be. Jesus was his righteousness. But he was not bearing the fruit of righteousness. In a moment's time, he was moved away and his heart was not upright before the Lord in the new covenant church. His heart was, your heart can't be upright before the Lord if you're playing the hypocrite. That's a sin. And that's exactly what he was doing. I'm not condemning him. The Lord didn't. I'm not. I'm just trying to help us tonight realize that we can walk in a place where our heart is upright before the Lord, but it has nothing to do with me telling God how much I love him. Although I need to do that all the time. Amen. Not to get something from him just because I do love him. But an upright heart, the Bible says is following after judgment that's under righteousness. 
God's judgment of righteousness is not just the word. It's the word crucified. The living word crucified. Amen. All right. Romans 12 and 1. A couple more verses. A couple more words. Romans 12 and 1. And again, we're talking about righteousness tonight because when the Lord wakes his people up, it's always under righteousness. It's just not wake up, I'm back in church. Wake up, I'm in the Bible. Thank God for that process. Thank God for that process. Christians know they need to be in church. Christians know they need to be reading the Bible. We know these things because we have the Spirit of God. That don't mean we're going to do it. But God, through the, just the simplicity of the gospel, quickened my heart, convicted me, and I went home and told Robin, we're getting in church. I know she was probably tripping out. Amen. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is new covenant experience. This is new covenant experience. That you present your bodies, that means what I'm looking at tonight, sitting in those chairs. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How do I present my body a living sacrifice? By the, the denial of self, taking up my cross and following Christ, which simply means my faith is in his sacrifice. It's not a blanket statement. Of course I believe in the cross. Of course I believe in the cross. Of course we believe in the cross. No, it's my object of faith. It's my way of life. It's from where the power comes that I can present my body a living sacrifice. Now, there's a scripture in Psalms 4 and 5. I want to read it, and then we'll go back to Romans 12, 1. In Psalms 4 and 5, the Bible says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. See, this goes back to a great truth written in Romans chapter 6 that nobody's trusting in the Lord who's not serving righteousness. Let me read this. I told Robin I was going to do it, and I didn't do it. I, I, I'm going to read the last note here in this section of notes, and then we'll go back to where we were. Listen to this. To yield to God, one must be seen by God trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. There is no other yielding place. Romans 6 teaches that, right? There is no other yielding place. Well, God, if, I'll, if you'll do this, I'll do that. No, no. Let me read it again. It's very scriptural. Romans 6 teaches it. To yield to God, one must be seen by God, trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You don't have to theologically be able to explain it, but you got to be yielded to that truth. Romans 6 teaches that you have to remain even after you've been freed from sin, made a servant of righteousness. You have to stay yielded to that form of doctrine. You must yield to that. You must be yielded to it. Because if we're not yielded to that truth, we're not yielded to God. 
Now, see, the church doesn't like this because they like it just to be multiple choice and however we feel. We've even been told you guys are just trying to make it too narrow for anybody. Let me tell you something. It's more narrow than I preach it. Jesus said it's so narrow there's going to be only a few that make it. And I know I'm not preaching to a bunch of lost people. I'm preaching to a bunch of saved people. But saved people got to keep their faith in what saved them. And it can't just be no overhead. Well, of course I believe that. It's got to be what you're trusting in when she does that that you don't like or when they do that that you don't like. It's got to be that that you're trusting in. Let me say tonight, it ain't good enough to be in a cross-preaching church. It ain't good enough to be a cross-preacher. It ain't good enough. There's going to be people that are involved in something you don't like and you're the one under the test to see if you're trusting in Calvary's church because the cross is not about I will if they will the cross is about I will if nobody else does that's what the story of Calvary is one man went the distance because there wasn't another one to do it and we got that same spirit in us the cross is not about I'll do this if, I'll do this if, that, I'll do that no, if the cross of Christ is what you're trusting in then other people aren't controlling you. Holy Spirit's controlling you. Mm. People are always going to be disturbing. People are going to disturb you. I'm going to disturb you. We find that we find that along the way. We always find out along the way who throws in the towel. But keep, they go off and they keep saying all the right words, but they don't want to hear it no more. They don't want to hear it no more. And there ain't no such thing as not hearing it no more and still walking in it. People opt out of hearing it prove Robin tells me all the time, she said, when you started preaching all that stuff some time ago about self, boy, that stirred up some folk. You know why? Because after we get past the great truth of pardon, then we see the ugliness of what Calvary looks like, us being put to death. And boy, we don't like, we don't like, we don't, we, we'll say all the right things, but boy, when self comes under the gun, we ain't just fond of that. Preaching to myself tonight. There is no yielding to God outside of trusting in the sacrifice. It's the only yielding place. It's the only yielding place. Amen. So back to where we were. Psalms 4 and 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. God's not accepting any other. He's not accepting any other. So me presenting my body a living sac sacrifice to God, that's why he made me a servant of righteousness because when my faith is in that which made me a, ser a servant of righteousness and I'm living by faith in that object, I am presenting to him my body as a living sacrifice of his righteousness. Let's read Romans 6, 13. We're getting near the end now. I know y'all saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't quit, keep going. I love the word. I love the truth. 
Preach all night, preacher. <laughs> That's just me again. Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members, your body, as instruments. Everybody say weapons. That's what instruments means. Of unrighteousness unto sin, the sin nature. But yield, everybody say yield. That means give way to in the heart. You have to give place for this. You have to yield it. It has to be what you're subjecting yourself to. I'm yielding. This, this is what I'm yielding to. But yield yourselves unto God. How? As those that are alive from the dead. And your members, your bodies as instruments, everybody say weapons, of, of righteousness unto God. When we're not, when we're not, when our faith is, is, is moved away from Calvary in, in, that, in that, that radical focus of the cross, and we, we think, well, we've got it now. We don't have to hear it all the time. We, we've got it now. We, we can move on and learn about the practical things. God says there ain't nothing practical outside of Calvary. Not to him. We're told here that we're either going to be serving, yielding our members, our body, to unrighteousness and that weapons, weapons. We can arm the sin nature. Instruments means weapons. We can arm the sin nature by just not trusting in Calvary. When I get mad and have to do what I want to, and, 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 and you know, it, that's really just the flesh. That's really probably not the sin nature. That's just the flesh, but I'm, it's still self. The flesh is the same. It's the same. Scotty Williams said that Christ can't be illuminated unless I'm eliminated. And Jesus taught that. Jesus taught that. None of you and all of me, Jesus taught. That's what he taught. But yield yourselves unto, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. This is presenting our bodies living. We're alive from the dead unto God. as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your bodies, as instruments, weapons of righteousness unto God. Nobody's serving God on the whole planet tonight that's not serving righteousness. And nobody's serving righteousness who's trusting in anything other than Christ crucified. This message is hated. I want you to know that. This message is an offense. This message is an offense. People say all sorts of crazy things because they don't want to subject themselves to it, like, I just don't like the way you present it. No, you don't like it. I'm not talking about you, but there are millions today who've rejected the narrowness of the gospel. But you can't serve God unless your faith's in the cross. There's too much scripture that bears that out. And that's what we are. We're scriptural people. We're scriptural people. Amen. You know, I'm, 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 listen, I'm not dependent upon anything to pastor this church. 
When I say that, I'm not, I'm not dependent upon any monetary gain to pastor this church. Money ain't holding me here. Money ain't holding me here. We didn't have none when we started. We were bankrupt. That's not how this church got started because somebody said, I, I got enough money over here. You can just. We didn't have no money. We were bankrupt. No money. Because this message, this ministry is not about money. Money's not what holds us together. Thank God for the money that comes in. We're not meeting out there under the trees where it's hot. And we, you know, we send Bibles to the inmates and do all the other things that we do, but I'm not stuck here by money. I'm here because I've been separated unto the gospel. Separated unto the gospel. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for our people, all of our people, wherever you might be. We came out of all that money-hungry stuff. That's not what we're about. It does take money to do everything you're going to do in this old world. But the gospel can't be bought. And preachers shouldn't be. Because if it's about money to any degree, to whatever degree that is, there's going to be a tendency and a leaning not to preach what Paul preached completely and really. Because if you keep preaching what he preached, you're going to end up like him. You're going to end up like him if you keep preaching what he preached. If you don't turn back and let this kind of milk down a little bit, you're going to be reduced. Yeah, like what? Paul said, when they all withstood me, the Lord stood with me. Why? Because the gospel focus. The gospel focus. Not the word gospel. Believing from the heart in the gospel. Amen. I'm, I'm more excited today to be preaching the scriptures in the light of my Jesus and what he did at Calvary than I ever thought I could be 18 years ago. I'm more excited. I just pray that God would continue to stir our people here and get them more on board than they are now, awaken us more. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you ain't really fully awake till you get up. You can be awake, and then you can really be awake, and then you can really be awake and alert. Amen. If a red wall shows up, you get really woke. And sometimes the Lord has to send a red wasp to remind you that you need to be sober-minded and watching and ready and on guard because if you're not, you're going to get stung by something that ain't good. You've got to be watching and ready and waiting. The Lord told me something this morning. He said, nobody can beguile you unless you trust them. It's not people that you don't know that can beguile you. It's people you do know. 
Let me say something to you before I close. This message brings such a great light and joy and hope, and it changes your facial expressions. It, 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 it makes you alive in Christ Jesus and more than a scriptural reference. It makes you alive. It stirs you to a joy. Let them shout for joy, the Bible says, that favor my righteous cause. Let them shout for joy that favor my righteous cause. My shout for joy comes from my Jesus' righteousness, from the fruit that he's working in me. I like what Sister Stephanie, is that who preached it? I got all mixed up. It might have been, might have been Lindsay, one of them preached. They ain't but one work God's working in you. That's the death of Jesus. That's the only work. It's that finished. That's the one work he's working in you. You recognize that one work and you keep your faith in that one work and then you will experience what it means to work out your own what? Salvation out of that one work. They said, Jesus, what must we do to do the works the plural works of God. He said, this is the work of God that you believe upon the one he sent. God ain't working nothing in none of his people but the finished work of Jesus. And out of that flows the multiplicity, numerous plural amounts of works that he's called us to. But it's all got to flow out of the work of Christ crucified. I'm preaching these messages, teaching the Word the way that we are on Wednesday nights because we are in the middle of a great awakening. This church is a, a church that is awake and sober-minded and watching. We're not waiting with a sledgehammer just to crush everything. There's some out there doing that. We don't do that. If we did that, then that's all we could do. There's so much wrong, we couldn't even, we couldn't even enjoy the truth and, and growing and walking in more truth if all we did was sledge everything that popped up that was wrong because 99.9% .9 of everything that's out there is wrong. We do point out things that are wrong. We do warn against things that are wrong. But we also constantly point to what is right so that your joy can remain full, your heart can remain upright before the Lord, and that you can be found serving your God in righteousness. Amen. I'm glad I'm awake. Hallelujah. I'm not just saying I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Would you stand with me this evening? Praise the Lord. It's good to be awake. According to the Scriptures, I might add, Praise the Lord. The Lord has been good to us. Many, many years, really, He was good to us before we knew anything about being sanctified by the, the way of the cross. He was good when He saved you. He's good even when we were running from Him or thought we were running to Him and were resisting Him the whole time. When we were a mess, He was still being good to us. You know how? He wasn't leaving us. And he was knocking on that door. He was knocking on that door. 
He didn't ever leave us. He kept knocking until we recognized that knock was coming from a nail-scarred hand. And we opened that door and said, Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for what I've made it. Forgive me for what I've made all this Christianity out to be. Come back into fellowship with me. Thank you for the communion that we have in the blood that you shed for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power. Why don't you just tell him how much you love him tonight? How grateful you are to him for saving you, for filling you with the Holy Spirit, for bringing you to the place where you could learn truth, acknowledge truth, have your feet found in truth. No greater joy does he have than to find his children walking in the truth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we praise you tonight and we again ask for the healing of those who are at home suffering, those who are going through it, Lord. They're going through the trials. They're suffering. And we pray for the miracle they need even on this very night. We're asking for them in the name of Jesus. We're asking, Lord, for your help for them, for your healing hands to touch them. And we thank you tonight. I pray for every person that's in this room tonight. I pray for every person that's watching online. And I pray, Lord, the main thing I pray is for a greater revelation of your son and what he did at Calvary. Oh, hallelujah, that when we'd open up the Bible, that you would show us Jesus, the one that your Bible, your word is testifying of. Lord, you said the light would shine brighter. And I'm thanking you for a brighter light. Oh, a brighter Jesus before me, not behind me, but before me. Only the world behind us and the cross before us, Lord. I'm asking that for this congregation. I'm asking you, Lord God, to light that fire once again. Oh, to light that fire, God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that even though some are wavering, even though some are sleeping, oh, the light is there. The light is being offered. The power is being offered. Oh, the way is being offered. I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, for the phone call I got today telling me how much of a blessing what's going on here in this ministry really, really is. And it was by one of our own members. Oh, how thankful I am for people. Oh, that encouraged me along the way, Lord. How thankful I am for a people that gather together, all sold out and all in for the way of Calvary. Oh, hallelujah, those that have awakened and have returned under the judgment that's under righteousness, that have eyes to see and ears to hear, that know that our mistakes and our weaknesses and our failures can't hold a candle to the sacrifice of Christ. Hallelujah. But we might get knocked down, but your word declares the righteous might fall seven times, but he's going to get back up. Glory be to God. Because of that righteous standing with you, and we thank you, Lord. We pray that this awakening would take place all over this nation and the world more so than ever before. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for mending those things that have been torn apart and diluted. We thank you, Lord God, oh, for doing a work in this nation and every nation in this world. We thank you, Lord. We ask your blessing to be upon this region that we live in, the Oklahoma text, and that you would spread this glorious gospel and the power of it to, to every ear that lives in the Oklahoma text. We thank
thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you for hearing the cries of your people, and we give you all the praise to tonight. We give you all the praise for you are worthy and you alone are worthy of all the praise. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Help us to continue to run this race and to fight this good fight of faith. Lord, help us not to look to men, but to look to the truth of Christ. Oh, help us, Lord God. Glory be to your name. Thank you, Lord, for building your church. Thank you, Lord, that the gates of hell will not prevail against what you're building. And we thank you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 Glory be to God. <coughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. Hug somebody's neck. <coughs> I have not called you to be oaks with withered leaves. I've not called you to be a garden without water. I've planted you and have made you trees of righteousness that will shine as the firmament throughout all the ages to come. I've not made you something that withers away. I've not planted you and left you without rain. I'm offering you the latter rain. Step into this truth. Never look behind you, for if you do, you may see something you think is worth going back for. Look at what is before you, for there you will find my leading. I've made you trees of righteousness, and the leaves of my trees do not wither away. Stand fast where I planted you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take this message with you. Hallelujah.